Welcome everyone, you are listening to and perhaps watching Hot Sauce Sports. I'm your host, Piz Delariz. Doing the work of the co-host and producer is my co-host, Terry Tam. Uh, I don't know why Eagle can't give us the countdown, Terry. It's been a couple weeks now. We've been forced to do this. Um, um, you know, from our homes, we've been unable to go to the studio because of the lockdown measures here in Montreal, Quebec. Um, but yeah, so thank you for counting me in. Without you, the show could not have started. Um... Can I say that that was the most flawless countdown in the history of Hot Sauce Sports? It, it was in, in pretty here, flawless. In the history I'm of countdowns, actually. History of countdowns. I think history like, of I, countdowns, yeah. Like New Year's Eve, I think you need to be at the ball. Me? At the base of the balls. And I'll uh, just be like, I'll do my... Excellent. One of those. Excellent. Guys, like I, I feel like we should replace Europe because clearly we have the best final countdown. That's it's true. the final countdown. I was like, do like the Aussie rules footy uh, when they do the touch, you know, in NFL touchdowns like this with the referees. The referees and Aussie rules footy, what they do is they do this. I feel like they're just fucking around trying to be different. Like, come on. Are they? But they're Australian, so they're already weird. That's a good point. That's a good point. It's literally, Australia is literally criminals that were ostracized from Mm -hmm. Britain. That's how the land, that's how the population began. Completely different from how Quebec was started. Uh, but anyway, I just neither here nor there. Um, Eagle, our producer, is of course in his nest, but for some reason couldn't give us the countdown. It's a thing I've been unable to understand since we've uh, changed the, to this format. Uh, we thank those of you staying patient with us uh, through this format. Believe me, when we planned our second year of the podcast, we did not expect to be doing it this way. We thought we'd be moving into a nice, beautiful, lush studio and instead, we've been spending way too much time in our homes. Uh, um, we, we, need, we need somebody to, like, kind of... We need somebody on our show, a new edition, like John King for CNN. Mm-hmm. I think I think everybody's freaking out the way he was, like, all over the map. He's like... I was ah, gonna say, ah, you know, ah, last ah, night, ah. there was a lot of the election... We're talking about the U.S. elections, for those who don't know. There was yeah. a lot of places voting on, like, either legalizing or decriminalizing some narcotics, d- depending what they are. And people yeah. were tweeting in saying, like, man, whatever John King's on, I hope that one's been uh, decriminalized. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's why. Remember, you guys know Johnny Satino? He used to play in the league, play in FPF. He's... Uh, I don't know what he does now, but he's works for DraftKings or some sort of daily gambling app, whatever it is. But he's I just saw the tweet now. That's why I brought it up. Yeah. So he's a, has any state decriminalized what John King was on last night? I was <laughs> well, like, the good amazing. news is the good news is is that Oregon just said fuck it, everything's legal, every single thing's legal. Or decriminalizing. So now, so now that Biden, I mean, we don't really know; it's not official. This is the thing now. What's that's annoying me is everybody knows I'm not really a Biden guy. I'm more of a conservative type. I'm not. I don't pro think Trump. anybody's a Biden guy per se, specifically. But like, if I, I was, think wrong, was more like not Biden? a racist guy, not a I sexist thought... guy, not a rapist guy, not but a if white I was... supremacist guy. If I was, well, Trump is not proven to be any of those things. I'm not de- defending the human. Let's not for the there. person. But I, mean, I would have probably. In the, words, more... in the words of Borat, 26 accusers can't be wrong. He's obviously a ladies' man. Based on policy, I would have probably voted for Trump, but. I also didn't want him to win. I wanted him to win based on the fact that I know I'm going to be annoyed with him for the next two months because he's just going to complain, bitch, and moan to why he didn't win. And he's going to blame the mail-in ballots and all that stuff. Just take your L like a man and leave, just like you did to Hillary Clinton. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to choose my words carefully because, I, you know, Terry, like I believe everyone has the right to choose the candidate that they prefer. Um, because that's the foundations of democracy. Um, I, the magic trick that's been created is the following is that the, the country's divided on the fact that if one person leaves or one person stays, the country is fixed. That ignores a lot of history leading up to this point. I think that there's a, whoever wins, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. I think um, that a lot needs to be done, especially at the local levels where people can actually institute change. If people turned out this way for their local elections, a lot of bullshit laws that exist in your areas wouldn't exist. A lot of laws that, that are founded on the, on the principles of, of prejudice and, and the, the foundations of protecting the powerful and wealthy could have been changed in your local area. So definitely, definitely 
do look into what's happening in your local politics because believe it or not, they have more power than who's federal, federally in power in your country. The we further also- the further you go up, the further you get to the people that make the decision, which I understand. But the the closer you are to the person that's in in uh, in office in some sort of municipal, regional, provincial, state, whatever it is. Those are the people that are going to be able to help you more individually. So vote for who is in your area because mm-hmm. Trump is a figurehead. Biden's a figurehead. Trudeau's a figurehead. All these guys represent one party, but the party itself, Trudeau might not be – like you might be in a, in a city, in an area in Montreal. Like I'm in Villeray here. I think I, I, I think this is actually Trudeau's uh, writing. I think this is his uh, writing. He has but, Papi Noah it's called, yeah. Yeah, so this is where I am in Villaray. So and so this is Trudeau's writing. So like I'm in Trudeau's area. So I can actually direct my questions towards Trudeau, luckily enough. But other people they have conservative writing. So they can have to they all have to direct their questions to the conservative party, which is normal, completely normal, and that's what a democracy is. If you take away votes and you take away the right for people to vote and speak and tell them that, you know, your vote doesn't matter because the Democrats are, are dirty and they're trying to scam me and whatever, you're taking away a democracy. And that's the part that bothers me the most about this whole thing is that regardless of who you follow, you have the right to vote and vote for whoever the fuck you want. You have that right. People have died for that right. People have fought for that right. Absolutely. And and, and the thing is, so I'm we're going to get to uh sports and the penis jokes as soon as possible i promise that's what people come to us for um the one thing that's amazing we promise we promise Disclaimer. in all of this terry and like i said uh, whoever gets elected will not fix the country tomorrow unfortunately i don't even think they'll be able to fix the country uh during their term at all however what i find most interesting by the uh, about the current president of the United States, uh, who is looks to be he like he'll be president for four more weeks rather than four more years. Eight more uh, weeks. Wasn't it January? It's just it's just more fun to say it that way, Terry. Four more Never more let weeks. the truth get in the way of a good story. Well, that's um, stupid. Though. <laughs> well, what I find what I find interesting is he's claimed that the Democrats have operated under divisive politics while he himself has thrived using divisive politics. He's claimed that Biden is a criminal while he himself has outstanding taxes. And like, isn't, shouldn't the first thing be when you're running for office that your taxes should be paid? I mean, and, and it's not just the United States. It's not just Trump. This has happened throughout time. I feel like politicians should be held at least to the same standard as regular citizens. It's not that, it's not that he has outstanding taxes. It's that every year he's negotiated his taxes so he doesn't pay any. And he's done it in a way where it's like, why do you get to not pay well, that's when everybody thing. else gets to pay? Why yeah. can't I negotiate my taxes? Yeah, exactly. That's yeah, the whole because thing. we end up being like Greece. Well, I mean, hey, listen. Greece, Greece is thriving right now, my friend. Thriving. Yeah, the thanks, Germany. We, <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> so, so the other the other thing too is he's claimed, uh, you know, he's made references to to Biden being a pervert and so on and so forth. But then you have 26 a- accusations against you. You have video footage of you being buddies with Jeffrey Epstein. Um, there's a lot of things where it seems as though, even while being president and saying, you know what, if I'm not elected. Uh, the pandemic's going to get really bad, and uh, there's going to be race wars in the streets. Those things are currently happening while you're you're president. So I don't, like I said, I don't particularly like either candidate. I think you should vote for whoever you like. But I, I've never seen. Kanye West is on the ballot. That's true. He's got he's gotten uh, was it sixty thousand votes? Yeah, he got. 0. Yeah, I just 3%. saw that he, he officially conceded, Terry. He officially conceded. Wow. It was a tie um, race. But, you know, shit. he did the right so, thing. He did the right. In four years, maybe Kanye West. But but the thing yeah. is, the thing is, is that I've never seen a situation where someone in power behaved as though they were campaigning while they were in power the entire time, and uh, took no accountability for the things that were happening in the country while they were there. That's the first time I've ever seen that. I've always said, I've always said, and I said it again in our group chat, and it's like, as conservative as as, as I am, you know, smaller government, you know, more whatever. Is that I, f- I always felt that if you take Trump's pol- just his policies, not the way he speaks, and you put Obama's leadership skills there, the way he speaks to people, the how respected he is, and how appreciated he was, you almost have the perfect president. But the fact that Trump has all these allegations against him, 
regardless of if he was convicted or not, the allegation, if you have 26, if you have one, two, then people are out to get you. But 26 is a red flag. Now, you want to talk about collusion or whatever it is. He's never been, he's never been confirmed that he had any of these things happen to him. But all these allegations are coming up. It's like where there's smoke, there's fire, where there's ringworm, there's mats or whatever you want to call it. But, ring mats. Yeah, ring mats. But uh, it's a jiu-jitsu term. That's why. Um, but at the end, but at the end of the day, he's just not, he's just not a human, and that's what the country is missing is a human person that they could speak yeah. to. Yeah, a human person. For sure. For I'm, sure. I'm going to be the and, one to bring this back into sports for just a second here. So I don't know if you guys heard, uh, Pat Mahomes is a millionaire, and he wanted to work with the Missouri Election Committee to convert uh, Aaron Arrowhead Stadium into a polling place. And basically their electoral committee said, sorry, no can do. We don't have enough voting machines. So he bought the voting machines for the uh, election committee and said, now put them in Arrowhead Stadium. So just a, oh, a big cool. move from his part to try and make sure he can encourage voting. Absolutely. And, and so I, that's, I think phone. that's as far as we'll get into politics because there are people who are far, far more eloquent and far more um, educated on the matters at hand and even live in the country where the election is taking place. Um, so with that, Terry, I think it's time we get to the news. There we go. There we go. Ah, Terry is the news. I didn't hear you. I know. I said it really loudly. <laughs> um, so that's probably the most awkward transition we'll, we'll ever have to do. Uh, but here we are. Um, it's been a crazy time all over the place for a whole bunch of reasons. But nowhere crazier, of course, than Dade County, Miami, to a time. Here we are. To a time. Your boy. I am so excited, Terry. You're really so, are like, you? you know. You know how I am as as a sports fan. I'm I'm not a passionate sports fan who like loves their team, die hard. Like I'm literally the guy who will go to Miami and if my team sucks, I'll just go get a cubano, chill at the beach, you know, <laughs> go hang out at La Careta, like go to you know, maybe hit up live at night. But like I'm not I'm not really really gonna be beholden to go watch my team when they're garbage. Um but for there's just this this feels different. I I might be wrong, Tua might not be the guy. For all I know, it's a flameout. It's a guy who, who like like Marcus Mariota. New sponsor, new sponsor, new sponsor, new sponsor. Bella Rock of breweries. Supposed to do that? Yeah. This is the this is the beer that beer's made. I haven't tried it yet, so this is live. Live taste We're, test. You're okay. gonna get a real taste. You're gonna get a real score here. Okay. If I you had some last it, night. It was bad. delicious. You're gonna get a real score. Ready? Real score. Let's do it. Real one. Real once, one. Once, once sip, everybody knows the rules. That's a good sud right there. Yeah. That's actually very good. I was pretty happy with it. What am I tasting? It's um, there's a beer called, we called it uh, Red Brew Redemption. It's a red ale. Um, got a little bit of a roasty finish, a little bit yeah. of caramel in the middle. I like caramel. It I was pretty happy caramel. with Caramel, that's what it is. Yeah, I was pretty happy with that. Um, yeah, well, take a case, sir. You're right. No problem. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so with the, with the taste that's not the way, but maybe that's sort of the thing we can do to commit to compete with the bar stool, by the way, is we taste beer and then within a year we're, we're all 500 pounds from nonstop. <laughs> well, uh, what's his name? Chris, uh, you know, uh, contributed to the show, Chris Macuso. He's the seltzer king. He does his, he did his own seltzer uh, competition. People were, people were sending in seltzers from all around, all around the country and he was testing them. He was giving them scores and he's, it was a pretty, he's calls, he calls himself seltzy. It's pretty funny. It's a good, it's that's a good gimmick. If this is a way we can get free beer, I'm down to do it. Oh, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, so, Pease, are you happy for Tua because you actually think he makes Miami a contender? Or are you just happy you have a quarterback who can play quarterback? Yeah. So I wrote an article yeah. about this on hotsauceports.ca, and I was talking about how being a Miami fan for my entire life um, has been a, largely a fandom at least since the year 2000 where it felt as though it's a, a fandom with dwindling hope, right? So, like, after Marino, it went on to, like, the era where, okay, fine, we got Ricky Williams, and that was kind of exciting with Jason Taylor, Zach Thomas. But then, like, we never really had the quarterback to go with that, and, and it sort of petered out. And then it never never has there been a season since then where 
we legitimately felt as though there's a hope. Brian Tannehill was kind of fun. He was he was athletic, but no one expected him to be the, the best quarterback from even that draft. And now we have Tua, a guy who came in. Uh, we saw the way he came onto the scene, uh, you know, coming in in a national championship game, beating Georgia for Alabama, playing at a playing at a uh, a top tier school. Um, a guy who would have been likely competing. Uh, for the number one overall pick with Joe Burrow if he didn't get hurt. And the fact that that fell to us, for me as a Dolphins fan, felt extremely exciting in a way I haven't experienced as a fan in a long, long time. Okay, so I wasn't super high on Tua coming out of the draft as like a first overall pick. I think that, you know, he, he obviously he, he exceptional talent. Like we haven't seen many like him. Um I knew he was going to be a first round talent. I knew he was going to be decent. I just I'm not I'm not sold on Tua yet, but I do know I do understand the 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 excitement that Miami fans have right now. And I said it at the beginning of the season when, you know, they got all well at the end of last season when they got all their draft picks. And I said in three years, done right, Miami's going to be a contender. Done right. And I have to say, look, you know, a lot of the the uh, guys who used to stand next to Belichick, and therefore you hope that they. They got his talent for coaching through osmosis. Guys like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Romeo Cornell and all these guys who got hired through the years, uh, Scott, you know, McDaniel and all that. Those guys just never really panned out. But there's something about this new group when it comes to Flores and Vrabel. They, they, they seem to have this human element where, where players legitimately like them as well as they get their teams to perform um, and and I love already what I've seen out of Miami's defense. What I've seen already out of a team that's willing to compete every week. Um, it's it's a watchable team. Whereas just two years ago, Terry, I think it, before this season, it had been three years since I watched the full Dolphins game. Three years. Yeah, because oh. I just they just weren't good, man. Like it's yeah, not, it wasn't a watchable product until the end of last year. Out of 16 games, the every Cowboy season, I probably watch about 10 or 11 full games. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless of how bad they are, same thing. I'll watch it this year. I mean, we can segue into Ben DiNucci tweets, but uh, I'm not. I I think this just makes more of a case for Dak Prescott to make more money. Well, who's he, <laughs> is, is he the MVP of the season? Yeah, yeah. technically, he's the most valuable player to this team. Because, like, I know what they do with the MVP is they they give people the award. For like most talented guy or most excellent player, but if you look at value, I don't think you can argue that anybody is as value in their absence as Dak Prescott is. Like his value not being on the field is more so than anyone else while playing on the field. Dak has has scored more points in the fourth quarter in this season than the Cowboys have without him in any full game. He Terry going into the season, going to last week, he was the eighth highest scoring player in fantasy. Still, that's crazy. Still. It's, it's crazy. He, the, the, the season he was putting together before he got hurt, absolutely insane. Uh, ben DiNucci, it just, he's just a fun name to say. It sucks because I don't think he's going to even start this week. He's but not starting. They were looking at Cooper Rush, which is crazy to me. My goodness. Because they just <laughs> brought in Cooper fun. Rush a week, a week ago. But Cooper Rush and Kellen Moore have a thing going. Cooper Rush was his backup. He was a third string. So they kind of have... You know, he knows the offense a little bit, which I understand. Ben DiNucci, it's not like he was like a second-round pick that maybe, you know, this guy's – we're going to invest in time and money into this guy. They know that they're just waiting for Dak to come back. So the season's a wash. Let's see what happens. But uh, Cooper um, Rush, uh, great name, by the way. So, of course, of course, when you start playing quarterback in the NFL, uh, people dig up tweets from when you were like eight years old. And this this isn't the case with Ben DiNucci. Uh, the tamest probably- one, of course – was that he said Tony Romo sucks, which I found funny. But then, of course, it was the expected uh, homophobic slurs, which apparently people need to put all over Twitter. It it just sucks because I think the next generation of players will have grown up in a different social media environment where they realize everything they say is logged on the internet forever. Um, but I think that these are guys... Because, cause Terry, if, if, if the internet was around when you and I were younger, we would have said so much stupid shit that would have come back to haunt us. Where uh, luckily that wasn't the case. So no. uh, the thing is, like, I do kind of feel bad anytime this happens. At the same time, maybe this is a lesson to young players of like, hey, maybe think twice before you, you send out that tweet. Who Who's the person that goes and digs this stuff up? Because I can't even find tweets that I tweeted 
from years back. Sometimes I'm trying to find tweets for the show and I can't find them. Like so, it was harder for me to find the tweets for our show than for whoever dug them up. But all you have to do apparently is type in the name, the mm-hmm. word you're looking for that he might have tweeted, and his name. So I'll teach. I'll I'll do Ben Denucci, Twitter Romo sucks or Romo, and then all anything related to that will come up, which is crazy to me. That he he sent that tweet out in like 2013. How we're still talking about it, but yeah. People are going to dig up anything to try and cancel you. And poor guy. The guy didn't really do anything wrong to anybody. So that's – and that's the thing. is, is a, I, like I think it. over time we're going to realize the, like the impact of words. You can, you can apologize for words. You can't apologize for actions. He hasn't done anything wrong that we know of. He's going to apologize for things he said. And hopefully he's got a bright career ahead of him. But I will say, dude, his arm looks like garbage. Uh, it's not great. I don't like. And I don't remember a quarterback in the NFL having this bad an arm. It's not even that bad of an arm. It's just that everything was so fast for him. Yeah. He he was like stuttering in the pocket, like he played in football in the 1920s. You know, like he was he's got kind of like on his toes and just like uh, didn't know what to do. The game ended up slowing down for him a little bit, but then he got sacked in the fumble for a touchdown, and it was like. Okay, at this point, just like whatever, the season's a wash. The defense finally showed up. What was that safety that they took towards the end of the game? Like they took a safety on purpose. Um, did they? Yeah, to to put themselves. Oh, I tuned out. I had I had tuned out at that point. It it was. I I think Mike McCarthy uh, may have studied analytics, but just doesn't understand basic high school math. Safer metrics. No, I think think it made sense though, right? Because if you were going to give a bad field position and you were down twelve anyways, so being down twelve. You have to score two touchdowns. You can't get uh, any other well, combination no. of stuff. Either way, if yeah, you but score if you, two if touchdowns, you... you get two extra points, you win the game as opposed to tie them. Right, but you're giving a really bad field position in order to do that, right? So you take the safety, okay. you kick them deep, and basically you reset the, the field advantage. Potentially well, I understand, Eagle, but the problem, is, the problem is that um, it's not a kickoff. It's a punt um, on a on – a, uh, on a safety, yeah, and yeah, but I guess I guess in his mind, if you're down twelve, you're punting. They get the ball at midfield-ish. They kick a field goal. Now you're down by fifteen. Now it's equivalent to the other option, right? Where your punter so you know, can punt you know, it through the You know the where they got base. the ball. You know you do know where they got the ball, right? They, they ended up with the ball at their own forty. Um, so they gave up two points. Well, and that's because their special yards? teams didn't do a good job covering the punt. But I digress. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's another problem. It's hard to cover a safety punt, man, because you're that's another you're, problem. You're out kicking your coverage by definition, right? Like punts don't typically have to travel that much distance. Um, anyway, that's neither here nor there. Uh, Javon Wims uh, goes and takes a swipe at Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Um, Gardner Johnson wasn't even covering him. It was just at the end of the play he ran up to him and smacked him in the face. The memes, of course, have been awesome. But I have a question for you, Terry, and I don't think anyone's really talked about this. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson was the player for whom Michael Thomas was suspended for punching uh, at practice. So maybe he just knows how to get under people's skin. Yeah, I was going to say, is there a chance the guy's just an asshole? It's like, probably just a, a prick. colossal jerk. Also, he stuck his fingers into the mouth of another receiver like two plays before that for the Bears. Miller, yeah. Yeah, so I think that's what he was kind of retaliating for, but it wasn't the same receiver. Uh, this guy also, is very good at getting into people's uh, uh, mouthpiece. Oh, he did? his helmet. Oh, yeah, that's good. He was just doing things to, to piss guys off. And so, uh, I mean, you know it what happened? Penalty. You know what so, happened with that? He became instantly my favorite player. I love I love these rats. I love guys that just get under people's skins and don't really do anything much. You know? I love it. Like yeah. like Matthew like, Kachuk he, and Bradley and, and Brad Marchand. You know, like, given like that he guys. plays uh, for the Saints, one thing he doesn't do for sure, certain is cover the middle of the field. Um, <laughs> I saw something. Another thing that I found interesting, Terry, that happened this week is Bill Belichick was talking about the team's cap issues as to why they're not succeeding. Um, and then I, I was thinking about this. Isn't Belichick the GM of the Patriots as well? Yeah. So he's blaming the GM, who is himself. He's also the one who – he's the, also the reason that they owe that dead cap money to Tom Brady because they didn't want to re-sign Brady. What am I missing? I don't understand. So the way the I fact. understood this is – the, they justified it as saying, we went all in for like the three, four, five years essentially and burned all our cap space and now we've run out of runway. And that's why we have to sign Cam Newton for a million dollars. That's why we don't have any big stars anymore. That's why we're super tight this year because essentially we made the conference finals. We weighed the, the Super Bowl a few times and everything and that's what you get when you try and do that. Okay. But I mean... Like, You're still in charge. 
it's your job to plan that out. Like, you guess, I guess that, that was the plan. That. It's go, 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 go until Brady gets too old and uh, or until they think Brady gets too old. And then you do uh, a little reboot, right? You would drop a little bit. You get some good draft picks. You rebuild your, your roster. Um, so, like, I see situations like this. And I see, like, the Saints owing – the Saints are going to be $92 million over the cap next year. Um, I don't understand really how these teams – Over the cap? Sorry? They're going to be over the cap by ninety-two by, million. By about ninety-two million, yeah. Okay, what happens? My guess is Breeze is going to retire, and they know this in advance because it's the only way you would go that that far out in front of the cap. I remember and the Cowboys. I remember the Cowboys were over, and they they just took a penalty on the year after. Yeah, I don't, but I don't think you could be that much over the cap. No, but it was because it was post lockout, so they made an exception for the Cowboys and the yeah. Redskins. Yeah. And then they both didn't make the playoffs. How'd that work out for the, both, both those teams? They both didn't play. make the playoffs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Eagle, your team's not getting out of this either because we talked about how happy I am with Tua, how sad Terry is with Benanucci. Uh, the Packers <laughs> talked about potentially trading on the trade deadline for... Um, actually, no, we'll get to that in a second. Let's start with the first messed up thing with the Packers. Um, they had a player. Um, was it Jamal Williams? Or AJ... uh, no, it was uh, the other running back. Hold on. AJ Dillon. Yes. So AJ Dillon tests positive for coronavirus before the game, plays the game, then contaminates the whole running back room, and then they're starting at who at running back tomorrow? <laughs> Is it going to be another one? We, we honestly like don't know. So admittedly, field? Aaron Jones was injured going into this game. Jamal Williams, I think, was already kind of struggling, so I don't think he... I'm not sure if... I can't remember if he played. I think he was uh, questionable, and I think he missed... Uh, he might have missed the game, essentially. So, essentially, the way I understand it is A.J. Dillon was their starting running back, and whether they knew or not and dressed him, maybe it's because they were like, eh, we'll take the fine and move on, which, to me, sounds ridiculous, but I, I don't really know how that works. You know what sounds ridiculous to me? Why you're not an Eagles fan. Because the Eagles mm, suck. Yeah, but you didn't know that when you were four and you chose the team. You know what I did to choose the team? My dad what? bought me a cap at Walmart, and it happened to be the Green Bay Packers cap, and that's how I became a fa- Packers fan. And thank that you, happens a lot. thank I, you, Rogers. In the article I posted on Hot Sauce Sports, I talked about how my dad had bought a 1972 Dolphins jersey and hung it in a closet because he just felt like it was important to have a memory of that season. And uh, I just, as a kid, was in love with the colors, and that's why I became a Dolphins fan. In love with Teal? Yeah. Yeah, and Teal in, and in Terry's case, I mean, your backstory for liking the Cowboys is you're a piece of shit. So. Well, I am a piece yeah, of shit, true. but the reason why I like the Cowboys is a backstory right here. I was a Niners fan. My brother was a Cowboys fan, and the Niners had lost to the Cowboys in the conference championship that year. And then my dad's partner, business partner at the time, had told me he, – he was a Cowboys fan. He convinced me to switch. So I switched from the Niners to the Cowboys that year, the year after they, they lost. And my brother switched to the Raiders because my dad is a Raiders fan. And then I stayed Cowboys, and my brother and my dad are lonely Raiders fans. Growing up, growing up, um, I This show is brought to you by Mike's BBQ Rub, home of the best rubs in town and La Salle's barbecue sauce. Peace. Just like Rubber Craft, I can't resist a good rub down, and Mike's Barbecue Sauce is the best rub down in town. So visit Mike's BBQ Rub, MTL.com, and use Hot Sauce 10 promo code for 10% off on all individual bottles. That's Hot Sauce 10 for 10% off, and don't forget to rub your meat peas. And we're back, I think. We back, Kegel? Yes, you we're back. Pretty- you were pretty fast on that studio, one. I don't man. think you this know what terrible. I count. I hate this. I hate this so much. Um, <laughs> we're back. Uh, it's myself. It's Terry. It's Eagle. We're joined by uh, Steph Savage Paulson. Um, the dude is one of our favorite guests. He is a fighter above all else, but he is also uh, new to the podcast game. But we'll get to that in a little bit. We'll talk about his podcast in a little bit. Um, we had a little uh, sort of talk off air real quick. And uh, Savage, you just... Ran a marathon? Did I hear that right? I did. I did. I ran 42.2 kilometers. I did. So people with that level of athleticism, Terry, uh, irritate me. Like, how can you be that good <laughs> at fighting and then be like, you know what? I'm just going to drop 20 pounds and go and go run. I'm just going to do that. Why not? Um, so if I run more than 15 steps, my uh, ankle starts to – my ankle does this. You know, and then my knee does, does that. Yeah. And I can't do anything much more because I have 250 pounds. 
smashing down on my knees and my joints and everything. So, yeah. So, you got to fight through it, man. I know a lot of guys that are my size that start to run and they lose a lot of weight. But uh, Steph is probably the guy, especially on what I, what I see stuff online, is probably one of the most impressive guys that I know when it comes to training. I think that somebody's. I mean, Steph, I don't want to, you know, blow your head up. Yeah, here, well, but... thank you very much. I appreciate it. I look at it and I'm like, fuck it. If, you know, I, I need to get off my ass. And this guy just gets off his ass all the time. You know what's funny about it is that, like, I, I started running during this pandemic more because I was stuck working out outside. So before every single workout, I mean, Terry, you saw the workouts I would do, like, during April and May. Like, it, they were, like, I would post some of them. They were pretty intense. I just... I used workouts to work out my demons in my head. So I had a lot of demons, I guess, at that point. So I needed to work out like a, like a, like a savage, basically. No pun intended. But <laughs> I, uh, ev before every single workout, I would run just one mile. It would be three, tr basically three roundabouts or where I live, like around my block, three times around. And it gave me one mile exactly. And I started doing that every time to kind of gauge my fitness. So on days that I would run it at a certain time, I knew I wasn't recovered. I wouldn't either work hard, work out hard, or I wouldn't work out at all. Like some days I was like, holy shit, like I'm 30 seconds below my average or the normal time. Or like I knew something was wrong and I normally felt it, but I still used that running. And I, I mean, I had told myself at the beginning of the year that I was going to run a marathon before I turned 40. And it was just something I'm like, oh, I need new goals for 2020. Let's see. I, you know, maybe running. I hate doing it, but it's something hard. Maybe I can push through it. And then pandemic hit and all the shit happened, right? I had an injury, concussion, the whole shebang. And uh, like uh, mid-August hit and I was like, man, I need to figure out something before 2040. Like I really need to make a move. And then I started thinking maybe I should run this marathon. But every single marathon that was scheduled was shut down. So I said, you know what? I'm just going to do it on my own. I'm going to give myself 30 days. I'm going to run as much as I can for 30 days and just ramp it up every week and see where it takes me. And then on October 18th, which was 31 days, I said, I'll run. I'll pick a route in Montreal and I'll run 42.2 kilometers. And that's what I did. Where did you run to? I ran, I started like down, like right on the Lachine Canal ends and like LaSalle starts. So you kind of like go over the little bridge. And then it takes you, I went down Lakeshore all the way to Bay Durfee, all the way to the end of the island. That was about 25 points. I had calculated it was 25 kilometers and my wife was waiting for me there. I changed clothes. She, I, I refilled my bottle of water and then I headed back and I knew I had to do 17 kilometers the other way. And that's, that's on the way back is where it started getting like. That's when the shit started getting so I can say shit right on this. Yeah, of course. You can say I anything guess. you want. <laughs> and uh yeah, but uh and that's the route. And I chose the route like three days before. Like I had no idea. Like I was thinking maybe I just run around my place like I had been doing for 30 days. Like I'll just figure out a route and just start running and just figure it out and make it 42.2. But of all the 30 days that I had ran, I had figured out that. If I ran in new places that I didn't know where I was going and I didn't recognize like, oh, I know this is 5K from my place. This is 10K from my place. I felt like I had an advantage that way because the longer I ran in a, in a new place that I didn't know where I was going, I would just, I'd be able to run like, I remember the first time I ran 20K, I was like, holy shit, like I can't <laughs> believe I made it to 20K. But then I go, oh, now I have to go back home, you know? So it's like, uh, but uh, it was... Uh, Honestly, it was physically, I knew I could do it. It's just, I had to put myself there mentally. And that's, that's really what I wanted to do. Like I knew that I was, I, my body and my cardio was able to take it. Like cardio was not an issue. I just needed to push my mind to get past the pain and just, just fucking do it. And that's what I was able to do. And I'm pretty proud of that. I'll be honest. That's the yes, thing about so, running too is I'm not a huge fan of is because I just get so bored. You know, like I can run for like 20, 30 minutes. Yeah. Whatever, but I just get so bored and I can't do it. So I'd rather like play a sport or, you know, jujitsu or wrestling or boxing, you know, like the little things like that just kind of like, well, I don't really have to think where I can't be in my own mind. My ADD is going to go through the fucking roof, you know? Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> the thing for me. Like my ADD is as such that I don't even get there. Like I'm like, okay, I'm going to go running. Let me go get some sweet threads I can put on. So I'll look good when I'm running. You know, choose my jogging pants, 
choose a nice T-shirt. Then I get my phone. I need an app. I need an app to track track my jogging. <laughs> yeah. Go go look for an app. I end up just ordering something on Uber Eats, passing out on the couch for six hours. So like it doesn't work out. It doesn't work out for me. I don't know why. It just can't get there. I can't I get you, it. Out. I think you just described eighty percent of the of men at our age. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> and then we have Steph who just turned forty. Congrats, by the way. Happy birthday. And, Thank you. Uh, Jesus, that's terrible. Yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah, because you're and forty. You have, like you look that good at forty and not like us. Because Pease, you're like fifty now, right? No. <laughs> 38, unfortunately. I look <laughs> Unfortunately, just 38. Um, Steph, so, like, um, how has it been in terms of, like, fighting? Are, are, have you, I know you said you got, you got, uh, you had a concussion, but yeah. are you, are you going to be heading back towards that, or is that something that you don't think you're going to be investing as much time in, in the future as you did in the past? Uh, well, the fighting part of it, it, like, I was doing pro wrestling now for four years, basically, I was doing, so it was, you know, I, I'd been training hard, and I was, I was running, I was running hard in the pro wrestling. Like I was every weekend, some weekends, twice, twice a weekend. So it was like a lot of traveling, a lot of putting a lot of mileage on my body. And uh, that's after spending 10 plus years in mixed martial arts, putting a lot of mileage on, you know, on my body that way. And, and as much as you want to tell yourself that mentally you're, you get your, you push through the pain and it's a big reason why, you know, like I said, when I ran that marathon, the cardiovascular was never an issue. Like at no point was I ever gassed out, but it was like my hip, like I'm fucking 40, like I, where I was 39, but it's like, and, uh, my certain parts of my body are more like 50, 55, just because of the mileage I put on with MMA for 10 plus years, then pro wrestling for four plus years. It, this pandemic gave me an opportunity to just kind of like, whoo, like right before the pandemic, I suffered a concussion, which was probably the worst of all the concussions. I mean, me and Terry spoke about it on my podcast. I think like it was, uh, I, I would not wish the shit I went through. Yeah. And it's not like physical mostly. It's like for me this time around was really the mental part of the concussion, like the, the anxiety and the, the fucking feeling of like not knowing what was going on like it was like i had like a it's like a, if you it, i don't know it's like a filter on all day you know it was so like it was weird and it's just shit that i never felt before and i knew it was all brain related you know it's not when you do shit like i do it's like it's you can't be ignorant to the fact that there are you make sacrifice your to your body your head and all that stuff so it's kind of like this pandemic, having time to like decompress and, and really put my body on, on just stop. And just my body, even my body took so long to just go, Oh, wait a minute. Like we don't have to be on at a hundred all the time. Like we can actually chill. Like it took me weeks to not get anxious on Thursday, Friday and Saturday. Cause no, I was no, I was used to just ramping up the machine till 11 when I got to Saturday. And I, it was, it was for me, it was calculated. Thursday, you started thinking about your match. Friday, you started ramping the intensity, your character, your persona, so that Saturday when you go through that curtain and there's fucking 100 fans screaming your name or booing your name, you're, you're, you're there, you're peaking. Mm-hmm. Now, that takes a toll mentally because you, you've put yourself, you've ramped up yourself, and then on Sunday, if I wasn't wrestling, I would give myself time to decompress and I would feel all the pain, head, body, mental, just fatigue, and during this pandemic, I said, I can't, you know, it's, 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 I'm going to get to a point where if, when things get back to normal soon or eventually, I'm going to have to make a choice. Like, am I going to go back to, you know, putting my body through this? Because I'll be honest right now, I'm 40 and I, it's been a very, a few months that I haven't done anything. And uh, my body feels like as much as there's, I still have like long lasting, probably forever pain that I might never get rid of. Like, I feel good, you know, especially when it comes to my head issues. Like I've not been clearer in my head, uh, in a long, long time. And, and that makes me think like, yeah, maybe, Maybe I should move on to other things. Hence, you yeah. know, putting energy behind podcasting get, and and get working back into out. Jiu-jitsu. Yeah, jujitsu is also another option where I've, you know, I can't stop the physical activity and not just physical. Like I can go run. I ran, but yeah, there. Even during this pandemic, I even thought about, you know, maybe like maybe I should get back into MMA. Like I always have this chip on my shoulder that I never got that W when I was fighting. And it was yeah. like, man, I, I wish I could get that monkey off my back. 
Just get your and hand I, raised is a good feeling. Yes, I, I got my hand raised in a boxing, and I was yeah. really happy about that. But in an MMA cage fight, like, I I didn't get that opportunity. You know, I was 0-3, and, and, and I was young, and I wasn't ready. And, and I feel like I'm so much more, uh, like, my physical, like, my cardiovascular, but even just how physically how I am, my strength, my speed, like, I honestly, I know it sounds weird, but like I would destroy the 26, 27 year old me if we met in the ring right now. Like oh, it so would I've not I've, even be. I've often heard this about um, major league pitchers that sometimes they come in and they have all the stuff. They have the 97 mile an hour fastball, they have these big dropping curveballs, but it takes them a while to develop the mentality to get them to be successful pros. Uh, but going back to the concussions for a sec, I know yeah. the last one I had. Um, there were certain things about my personality that during the time where I was recovering, I was very different. One of the things is I'm big on on like events with my family and friends, and and I was hosting our our, our Christmas party that year uh, at my house. Something that I don't even know if will be possible this year, but yeah. um, that year we were able to do it. And that I fell asleep on the couch at like 8 p.m. in front of my whole family. Woke up the next day. I missed the whole the whole night. And I was just like, well, this isn't me. This is not my personality. Are there things like that for you that change where you're like, I don't feel like me and I know it's because of this. I know it's because of this concussion. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, I look, things like behavioral wise, I, I'm very careful because I know what I have to look out for, like, like temper wise and stuff like that. Like I'm, I'm, you know, I have, I wouldn't say I have a temper problem, but like certain times, like if I'm, you know, not feeling too well, like I'm not the nicest guy to be around. I'll be a hundred percent honest. And, and those things were pretty, that those things never change actually. Like, but for me, it was more like the, man, at one point it was the anxiety. Like I, I would, I would fabricate so many things in my head. Like I would go from being super chill to thinking I was dying within 30 seconds and I would fabricate and I would go like, Oh, like it, it was, it was, it was just the weirdest thing. And it would be like, I would wake up one day and I'd be like, I feel super great. I'd work out. I do. And I noticed when I would ramp up my workout during the pandemic, like if I went a bit too hard and then for three days after that, it was just like, I would wake up in the morning and my heart rate was through the roof and I would feel anxious and every, I was on edge. Like, you know, like you're on that edge where like, whew, like you, you're sweaty, you're just clammy. And there was no way I'd slept, like sleeping wasn't an issue, but it was just like, I'd wake up and I was like, there's something wrong with me. There's something wrong with me. I didn't feel like talking about anything. I didn't have my same, like my, even my kids, like it scared me because I would be around my kids a lot especially during the pandemic they were at war home and and some days like normally like when i see my kids i hug my kids my daughter hugs me it's like everything goes away i'm like i'm ah, i'm so happy and so there's a few times where that didn't make me any happier and that that fucking scared me that was like whoa something i need to pay attention to this and i'm very in tune with my body so when i start noticing stuff like that i start making all these rationale in my head and trying to calculate, okay, how do I need? And then it's just like, I need to pay attention. And then the more I pay attention to it, then the more I could kind of like see when, it, if it's worse, if it gets, what makes it worse, what makes it better. And when I started noticing what made it worse, I, I kind of like, okay, yeah, I need to step back from working out or running or jump rope. Cause the jumping the rope, I started uh, skipping during the pandemic and it's not really good for concussion. You're going up and down up all and the down time. time yeah. I would gauge me like on days that I would skip. Like sometimes I'd be like the next two, three days it would be messed up. Like normally I would be messed up for half a day, but this time like it would mess me up. Any little thing would mess me up for two, three, four days sometimes. And that the long, like the longevity of the the symptoms is what what really fucked me up this time because normally I could shake it off by working out. And I, I, even if I forced myself to work out during those days, I would, it would just be, I'd, it wouldn't fix it. I would go back to being in my head again. And I just, it's definitely not somewhere I want to be again or even take the chance, you know? From the first day I met you, Steph, I think I always said that you were probably one of the most intense guys. You have this, in, <laughs> like this stare. I remember, I actually, I'm, I'll never forget this. The first time I met you, we were doing our, our fantasy hockey draft. And I was the, I was like the expansion franchise, me and Phelps. And we had come in. We went to Bucci's apartment there in Ville Saint Laurent. Yeah. Upstairs. That was the first time I met you. And we, you and I started talking about MMA. 
And I said something uh, like disparaging, like negative about Faraz, about Faraz Zahabi. Yeah, I, forgot yeah. what it, I forgot what it was. And you, but you gave me like a look and I was like, this guy's going to kill me right now. But then <laughs> you were giving me that look all night. I'm like, maybe this is just the way he looks. He has like this intense like gaze, you know, sometimes. So I got to like, know. I got to know, Steph. Yeah. Um, similar look when having sex. Yes or no? Whoa. Um, oh, man, you'd have to ask my wife. But uh, if I had I to mean, take a guess. I'd... Next week, we'll have Savage's wife on the show. Uh, you can ask. <laughs> or or we sure can buy you a mirror and have it shipped it. to your house. Uh? We can get you a mirror. Yeah, it's a good one. We'll just um, record you. Yeah, no, I think it's uh, a lot different actually. Okay. <laughs> if I had that, if I had that look in the bedroom, I wouldn't have much of a sex life, I think. But you're, but you're so like, it's intense, but different intensity, different kind of intensity. It might be a smile or a smirk. I might pose in the mirror as I'm, you know, <laughs> just oh, like flexing. Uh, American Psycho. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just just flexing in the mirror with a big smile. Yeah, I got this. But you're an intense <laughs> guy, so I mean, I feel like if you anything you get into, you're just gonna like. Just go fucking balls deep in it. Like, even if you get back into jiu-jitsu, like, let's say you come to my gym and you start training yeah. with us, I feel like you're going to start wanting to compete and then from compete, you're going like, oh, to tell your wife, babe, I think I could do an MMA fight and she's going to be like, no. Oh, yeah, fuck that's, there's <laughs> no question. There's reason. There's a reason why I've stayed away from MMA gym for five years now because yeah. I know that I walked in once at Sherbatov like last year and just to do like their MMA class and we sparred at the end and I was like, yeah, I can't. I, I can't come back to this. Like, I, it was like, it's definitely something I just, and you're right, I am intense. And, and when I decide something, it sometimes it takes me a long time to just say, okay, I'm going to do it. I procrastinate a lot. But recently, like, I've just, like, once I commit to something, I'm like, no matter how much it sucks, like running 42.2 kilometers, like I put it out in the stratosphere and I'm like, well, now I'm committed. Like, now I can't, now I need to prove everybody. It's kind of like I tell everybody about it. And then everybody kind of rolls their eye and they're like, here goes, here he goes again. And then I have to, in my eyes, that's the stories I fabricate in my head. And then I'm just, I got to prove these motherfuckers wrong. And I just fucking, I just do it. Like, like you were saying, like you go through all the, 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 the thing of downloading the app and stuff like throughout the 30 days, like if I sat on the couch when I got home, it was it. Oh, I was like, no, five minutes on the couch. Then it, then it's a, a struggle to pick myself back up. Yeah, I would get home, I get home, my kids, I get my kids, I would get home, change, hydrate, and I'd be gone. If I had to do 10 kilometers that night, I was gone. If I had to do 12 or 16 kilometers that night, I was gone. And this is after, like, not to bolster myself or throw myself out, but this is after working an eight-hour shift on my feet all day, walking around. Like, I don't sit down for, more, you know, 20 to 30 minutes on my lunch break, and that's it. Like... My job, like I walk around 13 to 15 kilometers per day just at my work, you know? It's like I'm on my feet all day and I'm tired, but the more tired I am, the more my brain tells me, yeah, let's go, motherfucker, let's see what you got. And, and on the days that I, I struggle to, to just put the, the sneakers on, it's on those days that I go, oh, I was only supposed to have to do 5K today, well, I'll do 15. And then I just fucking do 15 because I'm my brain is like, oh, yeah, come on. You wanted to do 10? How about you do 15? Come on, pussy. And then I'm like, all right, <laughs> here it goes. And then I just, I go and I go and I fucking get home. And my wife looks at me and she shakes her head. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> you're so, a, you're a, you've always been an impressive guy. So like, uh, I, I never, I never need to worry about uh, Steph's competitiveness in the ring because fighting is not my game. But now Steph's throwing his hat into podcasting. Uh, yes. So we have, we have a fierce competitor Luckily, <laughs> Terry, we started off with with Savage as friends, so that's going to continue, of course. Uh, Steph, why don't you tell us what your new project, uh, how did it come about, and uh, what's the, the goal behind it? Yeah, of course. Um, uh, listen, I've been podcasting for a few years on and off. I started a long time ago. I had a show. I had a few different shows. I tried out different ideas. Modern and, Maverick. Uh, I had the Modern Maverick podcast to start off with uh, and then i went into I, did, I tried this pro wrestling podcast for a while then i switched it up and a couple years ago i started this podcast called this savage life it's great and i recorded a, a, like 20 episodes terry been on a few times and then i stopped time life whatever it was and uh in 2019 i said you know what fuck i still have all the equipment i'm just gonna dust it off and just re you know start doing episodes again and i started doing episodes uh, i think it was around november december 2019 i had terry on because i knew he lived around here and 
And I would always want my guests to come in studio. You know, I had this little studio built in my office at home. And I just felt like having a one-on-one conversation is what I wanted for this podcast. Pandemic hit. And then we're all forced to adjust. And I was left with a lot of time on my hand. I was at home. I wasn't working. So I put a lot of energy behind this savage life. I started doing episodes with Skype and Zoom. And I was able to to have people that I would have never gotten on because of the technology, because they didn't necessarily need to live in Montreal or the surrounding area to come over. And even the people that live in Montreal, like who wants, I can only record on weekends because I work full time. I have kids and family. It's like, wants to come over ruin their Saturday afternoon to, you know, so it was like, but this way it gave me an opportunity to really like work on this craft of like doing this podcast and improving myself and improving myself. And it was always something that I always wanted to do. Like, I just, I just want to turn on their mic and have a conversation. And it was like, there was no structure. And I, even though I, I love doing it like that, in the back of my head, I was always like, I need to be a bit more structured. It needs to be more about the guests and less about me. Like I, I would always make it more about, I would always end up making more about me because sometimes I would have episodes where it's just me and no guests. And plus, I wanted to start doing episodes in French. I'm My first language is French and I'm not only like French, but I'm like French Canadian, but I'm Acadien. Like I have a very distinct type of French and I just love talking it. And I, the more, uh, the pandemic went along and I was at home, I started talking to more and more at home with French instead of talking English. And I said, you know what? I want to start doing episodes in French for my podcast. So summer came along, I took a break and I, I started building this new, I said, I'm going to revamp the name. So then now the name is no longer this savage life. It's called La Savage Show because I wanted to add a little touch of French and like, you know, be a bit more bilingual, I guess the name and uh, adding le in front of anything makes it automatically French, right? It's like, Oh, what do I need to do? You know? Right. And (laughs) so I said, just put le show. I'm like, all right, we're good. It's simple. It's kind of stupid, but it works. And I said, I, 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 you know, I want to do, I want to have some guests on. So I want to mix it up. I want to have one episode in English and then the following episode will be in French. Like, at first, I wanted to do two episodes a week, but for now, it's one week is an English episode and one week is a is a French episode. So far, I've recorded two episodes. They're available now. Um, episode one was an English episode with uh, pro wrestling, uh, pro wrestler Drew Onyx. Uh, and then episode two was with pro wrestler uh, Mike Marston, which was a French episode. So uh, I'm actually looking forward. I haven't listened to that one yet, Mike Marston. I want to listen to him. He's a very good wrestler, and he's a super nice guy too. Yeah, he's uh, he's an amazing human being. One of my favorites. Like I love the guy, and uh, I I felt that throughout all these things that I'd done through life, mixed martial arts for ten plus years. I I lived in Mississauga, Toronto. I I cultivated all these friendships and and these these uh, connections and 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 everything and i felt like i there's a lot of people that i knew that were i just would love have i would either love to have a long conversation with and talk about certain things in life uh, or just people that i knew already that were super interesting and that i and i felt that they needed a platform even if it's just one episode to come on and and show who they really are so when i revamped the this savage life to the savage show i kind of said you know i'm going to make it more of a interview I hate using the word interview because at the end of the day, I'm still just looking to have a conversation, but I want it to be more about the guests and, and what they offer as far as mindset and depending on their expertise. Like it's not specific to anything, you know, the first two episodes I had wrestlers on, but my third episode that I'm recording tomorrow, I have the, uh, the president of boxing Ontario, uh, Jennifer Huggins, like she's just an amazing accomplished I'm so looking forward to to talking with her. She's she she's runs she runs a boxing club in uh, in the Toronto the Greater Toronto area. They have two locations. She runs a foundation uh, charity called Fight to End Cancer, where they've since 2011 I think they've donated over a million dollars to cancer research. She's I mean she's our boxing referee and a judge. Like it's just so many accomplishments. And you know, she was my first boxing coach when I was living in Toronto and that's how I met her. And, you know, I transitioned to MMA a few months into training and then haven't really spoken to her, but I have followed her through social media and I've seen all their accomplishment throughout the 10 plus years that I've, you know, we haven't really seen each other. 
And I was like, man, uh, hopefully one day. And then I just, you know, I messaged her and she accepted my invitation and I couldn't be happier. So the next episode is going to be a great one. But yeah, that's uh, that's mostly the idea of this Savage of, uh, sorry, of Le Savage show. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm going to do it like uh, per season. Like I'm going to do season one. I'm going to offer like 10 to 12 episodes the first season and then maybe take like uh, three, four weeks and then offer season two and season three just to kind of like break it off because I, I don't know why. I just felt like it was fitting for what I was I had in mind. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I always said that the coolest thing, like we want to have a show for us, myself, Terry Eagle, we want to have a show where we make fun of, you know, the, 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 the super serious cathedral sports. Uh, but part of the show we really love is the interviews because it gives us a chance to talk to people like you, Steph Savage Paulson. Uh, yeah. Steph, thank you for your time. Please do check out the Savage Show. Um, look, Steph, you're a great dude. You're really Thank insightful. You. You're a great speaker. I love interviews like you because I just I just toss you a couple of words and you you take off with it. So I'm, I'm sure your show is going to see a lot of success. I'm looking forward. I haven't had a chance to listen to it, but I definitely will take a look because um, you're a great, great guest and a great speaker. So looking forward to it. So thank you for joining us today. And we'll talk soon. Thank you, and thank you for giving me the time. Just to add, uh, check it out on YouTube, uh, Le Savage Show on YouTube and available on any uh, podcast platform. And again, guys, uh, thanks for having me on. I always enjoy coming on. It's always a pleasure, Steph, man. I love you, brother. All right, love you too. All right. This show is brought to you by Mike's BBQ Rub, home of the best rubs in town and last sauce, barbecue sauce, please. Absolutely. They will get you satisfied in 12 seconds or less, just like Rick Pitino at that restaurant. So visit Mike's BBQ Rub MTL.com and use Hot Sauce 10 promo code for 10% off on all individual bottles. That's Hot Sauce 10 for 10% off. And please don't forget to rub your meat. Okay, it's time for rapid fire. Let's go. <laughs> I am back. Yes. I'm, I'm Pete, you're Terry. That's Eagle. Rapid fire. Pew, pew, pew. Hard knocks in the CFL. Toronto Argonauts. The CFL is a league. Uh, Toronto Argonauts uh, linebacker Jeff Knox Jr. was charged with two counts of attempted homicide and two counts of aggravated assault and reckless endangerment. So I asked, I asked a friend of the show, not going to say his name, if he knows this person. He said, yes, I do know him. He's been a very nice guy. Normally I said, okay, did he ever try to kill you? And he said, no, he never tried to kill me. So at least there's that, you know, at least there's that. I do love that they tacked on tacked on the reckless endangerment. Is there ever a time where you attempt to murder someone and it's not reckless? Like, is there ever like, well, he was kind of tidy. He was really organized about it. So yeah, no reckless endangerment. He wasn't it, really it, reckless. It, exactly. It's the fact that it qualifies endangerment. Like there's like, yeah. like coordinated endangerment. Is that a thing? Yeah. Or professional endangerment? <laughs> also, you're a linebacker. Maybe you should be better at carrying out hits. Like two attempted murders means you didn't successfully do it. So. Right, yeah, like how many of, pass attempts do you have? Speaking of potential hits, uh, Vladdy via Sailor. Uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr., player for the Toronto Blue Jays in the Major League Baseball, uh, posted a picture on Instagram that got some negative reactions where it appeared that he's carrying around a firearm in his jeans. Admittedly, he is in Puerto Rico, not exactly the best place to be walking around in. Dominican uh, Republic. As well, he's he in also Dominican tried Republic to censor Eagle. the post with little emojis to try and make it disappear and kind of pretend, ha ha, look. It's silly. If I so were two Vlad, things, two things. I, Jr., I would have said, that's not a gun, that's my dick. Yeah. Well, it's weird though, because it's in hanging your out pocket. pocket. <laughs> that's, how big, that's how big my dick is. That's where I keep it. I keep it separate because I don't want yeah. anyone to take it. Um, first of all, Eagle, you need to know that there's a difference between Puerto Rico and Dominican Republic. He's in the Dominican Republic. Thank and you. The, sorry. the second thing uh, is, why do you have trouble reading tonight, man? What's going on? Uh, it's, well, I don't know. In the Major League Baseball. So um, the thing is... That's actually not written. I did that in my head. And I was like... I know, I know. know In the Major League Baseball. Um, Honestly, it's it's not a big deal. Um, I'm just happy to see it in his pocket and not in the front of his pants because you don't want to be in danger of shooting your dick off, right? Like that's always worst case scenario. So maybe upgrade to a holster. In the meantime, awesome idea to have in your pocket. Next, bullies on parade. Last week, we discussed the Mitchell Miller uh, bullying controversy, and since then, the uh, Arizona Coyotes have cut ties with their prospect, and I believe he's also been kicked out of his hockey program that he was uh, in before. So, uh, karma, question mark? Uh, karma, Kramer. I think uh, people are very reactive. Uh, the part that's sad about this is that he people knew that he did these things, and they still drafted him. They still had him on the roster. Now, all of a sudden, because it's in the public – 
and the media got a hold of it. Oh, and now we're going to do the right thing and we're going to get rid of him. I, I find these, these teams, these professional teams, sometimes they can be super hypocritical. It's like, let's sign somebody until somebody complains. And that's basically what happened. Yeah. So, like, that's the thing, right? Like, they're only doing this because they got caught. Like, yeah. if they never get caught, then Arizona doesn't care about bullying. But because they got caught, they're the good guys in this. And and I, I've read in so many places where it's described as just this is an example of the failure that is the Coyotes organization from top to bottom once again. That not only did you draft him, fine, you want to take a chance on a guy like this, great, no problem. Everyone deserves the right to employment. But then how about you get ahead of the curve? How about you have him address the people who were affected by it, not the other NHL teams? That shouldn't be your priority. The priority should be the victims of the bullying. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. All That's right. why I said it, Terry. <laughs> Next, we have Bubble Boy. Uh, Joe Kelly had some thoughts on the MLB's bubble. He basically said, it's a secure zone, but it was the first time in my life I felt insecure in a secure zone. Does he mean in terms of his health? Because Joe Kelly know. is like our ultimate beauty, and I feel like he would never get COVID. I, the thing is, like, Joe Kelly, you're never quite sure – What's going on? What are you saying? He's, he's a wild man. Like, he's fun. The things that makes him incomprehensible makes him fun as well. I will say... I love Joe Kelly. Love it does speak to how the NBA carried out the bubble versus what we saw at the end of the baseball season, right? Like, baseball, we, we, we talked about before. The Packers had guys, knowing guys that had COVID, they played them. We saw a guy playing the World Series knowing he had COVID. A teammate of Joe Kelly. So, obviously, the protocols that were in place were either not... Uh, well-structured enough or not obeyed, and that's what I think he's getting at, although those that word salad could mean anything. Word salad. Hate salads. Uh, one small step for Manfred. The MLB decided to make their Golden Glove announcement at a bizarre time if they wanted to do it to get any attention whatsoever on election night because, of course, the Golden Glove Award is what you're interested in actually paying attention to on elections. Okay, so the, this is just an addition to the the administration that is Rob Manfred and the failures that he's that he's shown as this guy is classically stupid. Listen, I, I there's no doubt that he didn't come up with this idea. He's not coming up with let's do it on November third, not knowing the date. But the fact is, is that he doesn't have the balls to change the date. That's the problem. So the thing is, is that um, like baseball's not starting up anytime soon, right? Because it's winter. So. Like, they could have done this December 15th. There, there's a whole period of time where, December 15th, where nothing's my name happening. Day. Sorry? It's my name day. It's my name day, December 15th. Oh, there we go. See, it could, all the only thing it's competing with in the news is Terry Tam's name day. Name day, yeah. So all, all we know is it affects you and a chief doctor in Canada. Other than that, it's, it's a day that's available <laughs> for everyone. No, they chose a day. Obviously, the only one of the only things that affects sports readings is actually when there's an election and Manfred decides to go head to head with it. It reminds me, Terry, of last season. If you remember, they played a game in another country a week before the season started and it was a regular yeah. season game and all of us were like, baseball started? What, what do you mean baseball? Why don't you tell us baseball was starting? Why don't you just do it on April 1st? Instead, they started the, the season a week before in Japan or was yeah. it Japan? It was, I think it was Japan. It was Japan. I said a country because I forgot. I think it was Japan. Japan. And they started the season in Japan, yeah. Yeah. It was also a weird time zone, too. So it was like, not only did you not know what was happening, but if you wanted to watch it, you had to like stay up at weird hours. You don't know what time it was at. It was a whole thing. The marketing team in the MLB is awful. They're lucky that they have such a loyal fan base because they'd be worse than hockey, I think, at this point. And last topic for today the McRib of Adam. For the first time since 2012, the McDonald's McRib is back on the menu. However, not in Canada. Canada, You need to drive over the border, which, spoilers, you can't do because of COVID. No, you can't. You just got to quarantine on the way back. Yeah, for a McRib? Oh, uh, yeah, it's worth it. So. So here's the thing. I know I know the McRib is legendary. I'm I'm not even a McDonald's guy. I don't eat fast food a lot. So for me, I saw this story. I was like, this is for Terry. <laughs> McRib, McRib, McGriddle, McExtra. You bring those three back, four hundred pounds. Right here. <laughs> I did like so the like, McExtra. So like, where does where McExtra does the McRib rank in the pantheon of sandwich for you? Oh, it's not that high. I mean, there's other sandwiches that are better than the McRib, but the fact that it's such a novelty that you want it whenever it's available. Remember the pizza at McDonald's? Yeah, I remember. It was garbage. Uh, yeah, not great, but if it comes back, 
400 bucks. Oh, yeah, I'm going to try it. If it comes yeah. back to Canada, I definitely will try it. I'm eating. Uh, for sure. The one thing you have one to park thing, on I will the never side give another chance to. The one thing I will never give another, give another chance to is clear Pepsi. I don't even remember if it was good or, good or not. It just seems stupid. Um, <laughs> Pepsi 7-Up, basically. Uh, Terry, you've been Terry. Eagle, you've been Eagle. I've been Pease. You've been listening to Hot Sauce Sports. It did it. It did the thing. Nice. It did the thing. Coffee the Pepsi thing. was the worst. Coffee Pepsi was the worst. You ever Pepsi Remember Blue? to like, watch, subscribe, do all those things. Especially subscribe. We want money. We love money. If, if we keep on talking, Eagle's going to get mad, so let's keep on talking. I know. It's just the ideal thing. I got it. <laughs>